This week, John and Tim will be traveling to the International Builder Show in Las Vegas. So what a perfect time to run a podcast that we recorded about a month ago or so with Mike Bellaman. He is the president and CEO of the Associated Builders and Contractors, ABC organization. And um, here's the conversation we had uh, a while back. Enjoy. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Appetite for Construction podcast. I'm John Masonberg. I'm here with Tim Ward. Tim, how you doing? JP, what's going on? You just said something, and that's going to cause you to lose your voice for the rest of the podcast. Not a good idea. Keep keep that refrain. Keep it calm and nice and that's right. You know, it's, 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 that's a time of year where you're, you know, you get colds and you get sick and you get the flu and you get all that stuff. So I don't know what I had, but I'm still kind of battling through it. Twin kids in high school running around and bringing it home for you as well, I'm guessing. It's that time of year, like we said, and people get sick, but it's also that time of year where we, we can, we can kind of forecast 2024 about the industry the construction industry. We can talk about the skilled trades, you know, um, the shortage, what's going on on that front. And we have the perfect guest to bring on to, to talk all these good stuff about what's going to, what's going to go on in 2024 and beyond. And let's, let's bring them on. We are welcome I'd like to welcome Mike Bellman, the president and CEO of Associated Builders and Contractors. We will refer to it as ABC throughout the podcast. Mike has served as president and chief executive officer of Associated Builders and Contractors, which is a national trade association representing more than 22,000 members from 68 chapters across the United States. Since uh, He's been there since 2011. He is a 1985 graduate of Penn State University, where he earned a Bachelor of Science degree in Architectural Engineering. And one of the fun things and facts to know about Mike is that he pitched with the Cleveland Indians farm system from 1985 to 1988. And we might talk about that at some point, but first and foremost, Mike Bellman, welcome to the Appetite for Construction podcast. Tim, John, thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, Just hearing you guys open up. I think this is going to be a fun discussion <laughs> and and all the things you've teed me up to talk about uh, in the context and, you know, the location, you know, act like you're here. Yeah. I won't describe that. You guys could describe that, but yeah. uh, listen, this is good. I love the industry. Uh, I love people that work in the industry. So the fact that we're going to be talking to a lot of them today, a lot of cool topics you guys want to address. So, yeah. uh, and Always happy to talk about the Indians. I still call them the Indians. <laughs> As a matter of fact, just while we're on that topic, I remember when that name change happened, all of a sudden a group of text strings, you know, of all the guys, all the buddies that we played oh, together. Yeah. The first question was, what's a guardian? Yeah. You know, what's a guy, what's a guardian? So that was uh, quite the, the learning moment and everything. So I still want to know what the little, uh, elf thing is in the cleveland stadium do you know what that is tim i have no clue <laughs> have you seen that no on, clue. The, on the on the 50 yard line it's like some weird looking elf no that's the browns for the brown yeah. Yeah. yeah what is yeah, it yeah, yeah yeah i saw that this weekend I, <laughs> i'm a Steeler fan so uh you know <laughs> i only tune in i only tune in to watch the browns lose but you know boy they're what that's another topic yeah 
Yeah, yeah it's it, and it's tough for John because he's a Bearish fan. So ugh. I know. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a stint in Chicago for nine years. Mike, real quick, before yeah. we jumped on, you said you have twin daughters that yeah. go to the University of Wisconsin. That's yeah. my alma mater. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. They're Badgers. And they love it. Here. They're, <laughs> I'll tell you what, uh, I'm, I'm a Penn State grad. So, Oh, that's uh, what I was going to ask. Like, did, you try to, did you try to convince them to go to Penn State? or You know, I took them up there for a tour, and they loved it. And I told them, I said, and I knew what their list looked like. So I said, if you can see yourself here, you can see yourself at the University of Wisconsin, which I knew they really loved. They got in, uh, and they are happy. Daddy's happy. They're getting great degrees. They're having great experiences. Madison is a phenomenal, phenomenal place. And we, what we do is we do a little, uh, we have little wagers, usually around like, uh, 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 you know, non-football sports. Uh, and so if I win, they cook me dinner when they come home. And if they win, oh, I like that. If they win, they get to order DoorDash on my credit card. Okay, great, nice. Great so that's how it works. So, now are they roommates at at school? Or they are now? Yeah, yeah. They started okay. out. It's they, it was really unbelievable. They chose not to be roommates in their freshman year, and they were located. And for anybody that's been to Madison University, Wisconsin, I think it's like two miles across. You know, oh, from yeah. point to point. So they were literally in dorms across the campus. Oh yeah. And, and so it was beautiful. Uh, but then they joined the same sorority. Now they have, you know, similar group, you know, friend groups and, and they, uh, share a multi room apartment in the James, you know, with a bunch of their buddies. So it's great. The University of Illinois is in my backyard. I'm located in Champaign Urbana. So for me, while I didn't go to U of I, I went to Kansas State University. Um, the U of I, a Big Ten connection here, no doubt. Oh, yeah. Big Ten is great. Uh, you know, so, you know, it's all about, you know, when it comes to kids is for any of you out there that are parents or, or are current and or kids, right? It's all about yeah. happiness. It's all about being happy. So I was, uh, was going to say, if our people just joining us, we're, 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 you're listening to the Mike Bellman show or talking about his kids at school, all this great stuff. No, but the reason we uh, brought you on, right, Tim, um, your work with ABC and uh, tell us a little bit about your background. How'd you got, how you got started and um, working with ABC? Well, I'm an architectural engineering degree um, student of Penn state. Mm-hmm. And uh, I worked um in the construction industry and in different jobs, you know, I was a landscaper digging holes for trees, you know, in high school, uh, and, uh, you know, doing, uh, you know, hard, you know, hard labor work type stuff, which was rugged in the summer, but you know, that, that, that's good money when you're, you're, you're in high school. My dad was an environmental engineer. So I kind of always had that in my blood. I learned how to weld, and lathe and bend steel in shop class in eighth grade. Uh, and, and so kind of all of those things, uh, you know, melded when my mom worked for an architectural firm that did some architectural stuff. And I, I just got fascinated by this. And in ninth grade, I had a drafting or 10th grade, I had a drafting class in high school. And so I fell in love with construction. And uh, so I, I looked around and Penn State had a great degree in architectural engineering, and they had 
it's a five-year program. And one of the options, uh, they had three focus areas, and one of the focus areas was construction. And so uh, I just got into it, really confirmed that I liked it, came out of Penn State with a degree, went to work with a construction company, a company called McDevitt and Street, which was a regional general contractor headquartered out of Charlotte. Then that company got bought by an international construction company in London called Bovis. And then that company got bought by a uh, international development, real estate investment, property management construction company out of uh, Australia called Lend-Lease. You mentioned uh, the Indians. I happened to play ball at Penn State. I got drafted. The, you know, Some of the wisdom that I had younger is they wanted to draft me starting in like my third year, which was three of five. I'm like going, no, I'm gonna, I want to get my degree. So the lucky thing, I got my degree. And the company I got my, my uh, first job with said, go play and come and work with us in the off season. And so then you'll be ready to go. So I spent uh, my first bit of my career, obviously, out in the uh, field, working as a project engineer, um, living in a trailer, doing RFIs, doing shop drawings, working with the trades and stuff. And I always had so to to satisfy you know this this audience, we, we um, I worked on big jobs, you know, like Pentagon City Mall and NASA's headquarters and stuff, and healthcare financing administration. We always split up packages. And I always had the mechanical and electrical packages and the structural packages and stuff. So, um, and, and I'll tell you, it's amazing because ME50 at Penn State was thermodynamics. And I thought for sure I failed that class. You know, that was a tough class for me. So, you know, the mechanical plumbing doesn't come easy to a guy like me. Uh, that's how I got in the industry. And I went from building buildings to building company, building teams, building companies, And now what I love about what I do is I love in this association, I get the opportunity to help everybody achieve their career dreams, help every organization be successful. And I I think I got the greatest job in the industry. Well, as I said at the onset, uh, when I introduced you, 22,000 members, that's a substantial uh, group uh, in the industry. Tell us a little bit for those who may not know exactly what ABC does, what is the mission of the organization? Let me talk first about the value proposition of the organization, which is founded on the merit shop philosophy. We help our members develop people, win work, and deliver that work safely, ethically, and profitably for the betterment of the communities in which they work. Uh, and so that's, that, that's a mouthful, but that really is a 30-second elevator speech about what we do. So oftentimes, everybody goes, well, what's the merit shop philosophy? Well, in Article 1 of our bylaws, it talks about the principles of the merit shop. And essentially, it is it is what it sounds like. It's about meritocracy. At the end of the day, everybody brings unique gifts to this world. They've been given unique gifts. They bring unique gifts. They bring unique gifts to the industry. And so those gifts uh, can be rewarded very, very well in a meritocracy. And we've all been given choice, the opportunity to choose. And and I love our organization, our association, because we advocate for worker choice. We love the fact that as a worker, you have a choice to be part of a union or not be part of a union, to work for a company A or company B or company C, or you have the opportunity to go and start your own business and become a job creator. That's the great thing. And so that's what ABC does. ABC supports that agenda around worker choice. 
It also supports the uh, agenda of fair and open competition for the companies because the companies, in order, the co- in order for a company to be successful in a meritocracy, they have to have the best value proposition. And in our industry, in order to have the best uh, value proposition, you got to have the best talent on the construction field. And so by giving everybody the choice, if they want to learn two crafts, three crafts, they want to grow and be a foreman or a supervisor or whatever it might be in our industry. And what this association does is helps everybody achieve those career dreams and thus helps companies attract the best talent, put them on the field, upskill them, win work, and continue to deliver that work and make a nice profit. So that's that's our job. That's what we do. Workforce development remains a top issue. What are what are some of the programs and initiatives uh, ABC is is doing to address some of the some of these modern day challenges? Well, you know, uh, it, it, let me step back and and tell you the question I ask our members, and I ask them, what's the number one concern you have? What keeps you as an organization from growing? What keeps you as an organization from prospering? And all of them say it's about having the best talent. So with regards to that, having the best talent, the number one thing people are always looking for in industry is looking for that talent. We projected at the beginning of last year, well, this year, twenty, because we're still in 2023, we're in the middle of December here, that we would need about 650,000 workers. You know, our industry turns over quite a bit. You know, if you look at the JOLTS report, which is a uh, government Bureau of Labor Statistics production number, standing for job openings and some other things, but it's mainly job openings. We average around, we, pl- we, we usually around historically 200 to 250,000 job openings. That JOLTS report over the last 12 to 18 months has been like at 450 to 500,000. And that basically says that's the job openings that exist in, in, in the industry. And those are only the ones that are known and posted. So when you have members saying that I need talent, and when you have a mission that's all about meritocracy and helping people achieve their career dreams, you want to have all these different programs to attract people in a, into the industry. I think construction is a best kept secret. You know, a lot of people misunderstanding misunderstand construction. I'm I'm quite confident that the technology and the innovation that exists in our industry isn't generally known by the average public individual. And so um, we have programs where we will go into inner cities. We'll have programs where we'll work specifically with women to help them understand how the industry would love to have them and how they can achieve their career dreams. We work with military that, you know, are being discharged from the military. We'll work with uh, people that have made a bad choice that are, um, you know, that maybe uh, made a bad choice and were convicted of a felon. And now they've chosen that they want to turn their lives around. And so we have hundreds and hundreds of programs that try to meet those people where they're at and focusing on, educating them about what the industry has to offer them and or taking someone that wants to be in the industry and has some transferable skills and upskilling them so that we can place them in a, in a, in a role that they can thrive in. 
So those programs are local in nature and they're national in nature. They're mentoring programs. Uh, they're outreachment programs all over the place. I think one of my favorites is um, a program that we teamed up with uh, Pastor Corey Brooks in uh, the south side of Chicago. And uh, we created an apprenticeship program, their electrical apprenticeship program there that now these kids have an opportunity to learn the electrical trades. And and we actually had a couple of people that we brought to our national craft championships. Uh, and it was the first time they'd been not only been out of their neighborhood, you know, but, you know, they had had an opportunity to hop on a plane. Uh, they'd never been on planes before. They'd never been out of Chicago before. And then for them to see construction and action at our convention with our National Craft Championship, it was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. So it takes a lot of that kind of effort to make that impact. But those two went back and guess the stories, what they're going to tell back in their neighborhoods. So it's all about those leverage opportunities and everything. So we tr- we partner with trade schools. We partner with uh, high schools. We have our own high schools. We have our own trade schools. It all depends on the regulatory environment. Uh, but, uh, you know, we have uh, hundreds and hundreds of programs across the country. We've got 68 chapters. we got, you know, like you said, 22,000 members. We've got a lot of members that have their own programs that we work with them in. So it's... Um, uh, you know, we, we, we really try to understand where the need and the opportunity is to tell that story because we got a big hole we got to fill. It's been an acute workforce shortage since the Great Recession. If you haven't heard, Navian's new NPF Hydro Furnace is on the market, and they're offering an unbelievable incentive to try it. This new furnace from Navian is 97% AFUE, ultra low NOx, and has an industry-leading variable capacity ranging from 15 to 100 percent. Right now, contractors can get a $1,000 gift card when they go to navianfurnace.com and submit their first NPF purchase info. Again, that's a $1,000 gift card. NPF purchases must be made between January 22nd and April 15th, 2024, and submitted through the form at navianfurnace.com by April 20th, 2024. See full promotion details at navianfurnace.com. Don't miss out on this great promotion. Yeah, I, I applaud you guys on an the the whole association on what you guys are doing to work with inner city kids and and workforce development with uh you know military i myself served in the military so you Thank know you. as i see people you're very welcome as i see people exit the military i think what a great opportunity to bring that leadership that you've gained from the military and bring it into a, a building trade sector so um well on that let me make a comment on that cuz you know we have sure. a unique opportunity and we t- it leverages this Our members, ABC members, through the Military Privatization, Family Housing Privatization Initiative that was um, passed into law in 1996, own about 90% of the military family housing on basis. So we have these community centers and everything like that. So we're able to meet them. We have a great program up at Fort Drum where we actually, for those uh, individuals that are – 
being discharged, have a discharge date. Now they still got to be mission ready, as you know, in military, they're going to be mission ready, but we're able to arrange for them at the community centers, for them to get to get exposed to some general trade stuff to see if they have an interest and then identify where they want to go. Uh, you know, where home is right geographically. And then we can connect them with a chapter and some members when they get home and we can make it happen for them just like that. So that's really creative. That's really innovative. It's taking advantage of our network uh, to do that. So just as another example. Yeah, those are critical tentacles to, you know, grow the viability of the trades in the years to come. There's no doubt about that. You mentioned a little while ago, though, um, regulatory issues. Um, Lobbying is the strength of ABC. How important is that aspect of the mission, especially when things in D.C. have become so partisan and, quite honestly, sometimes highly negative? Well, once again, uh, we're geared towards worker choice. That's really what we want to do. That's where we're really trying to – that's the conditions we're trying to create for everybody to achieve, everybody to be able to have a choice. The beautiful thing about America is we have a choice. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, um, you know, so unfortunately, uh, there are, uh, some that don't want to allow that choice to be easy. And so we're for the rule of law. We believe in sound legislation. However, 98% of construction companies employ less than 100 people. They don't have a whole team of compliance officers and lawyers and stuff. So, you know, every time the, the, the government issues a new regulation, a new rule, part of our job. I said, I said in our value proposition, we help our members to v- deliver that work ethically. Well, what that means is we're helping to educate them on the rules so that they can be in compliance. Unfortunately, this current administration has really done a tremendous job, and I'll compliment them because it was their agenda to roll out a lot of regulations. But in order for that, small business to comply with that, it is a heavy lift and it's a significant part of the cost of their business. And what it does, unfortunately, is it might cost them so much, it might give them a head, it might have them hesitate to add that new FT, add that new plumber, add that new uh, instrumentation tech, add that new millwright, because they're unsure of this compliance. They don't know how to comply or there's a cost to that. So Generally speaking, regulations are not good for job creators. There are good regulations, don't get me wrong, but the overburdensome regulation, regulatory environment that we live in for the last two, three, four years has been really a burden on, on our small contractors. The larger contractors, you know, they have the, they have the team. Right, they got the team of compliance officers, so it it becomes a barrier for entry. We're all about fair and open competition, but when you have a set of rules that you can't understand, that makes it you pretty nerving to bid on some work that uh, you know that you don't have the capacity to understand all of these. If that makes sense to you. Just today, uh, ABC released a statement that says it's reviewing Biden's proposal. Uh, overhauling government registered apprenticeship programs, um, which you think will exacerbate the industry labor shortage. First of all, government registered apprenticeship is that is it GRAP or GRAP? What am I? <laughs> well, we love yeah. It's 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 uh, it, it's just an that's just an acronym. I, <laughs> I we we I we you know 
government-defined registered uh, apprenticeship programs are a requirement uh, when you want to work for the government. You have to have people in those apprenticeship programs. I see. Okay, so so that's their trade requirement. Uh, you know, when you work, um, you know, if you have a millwright working down on the Gulf Coast in in the gates on refineries, mm-hmm. uh, they they don't care about government. They want to they want the market, the industry, a pro- registered a program down there because you're working on a refinery. You could blow up things, you know. So they want to make sure you have the skills specific to work in that market. And and so we we like industry recognized apprentices. We like market uh, recognized apprentices. We like competency based, and we like government registered. Pro- we like them all. The problem with this rule is uh, they this this president has stated that he wants to be the most pro union president and the most pro union only president. And this is just another rule to do that. Now in our bylaws, I want to make this perfectly clear. ABC. In our bylaws, uh, believes in the right for workers to choose, and that choice currently exists. That choice makes companies more competitive. Competition drives innovation. Competition creates opportunity. And without competition, you don't have to innovate. So when you have multiple apprenticeship programs out there, industry recognized, market based, company based, uh, you know, and government defined, that's a good thing. But what they want to try to do is make government registered apprenticeship programs the only game in town. And and so that's just a fundamental concept and a fundamental belief. We like competition. We don't like monopolies. Okay, so we're all for all the above. We have a number of members that do government work. They are world-class at government work, and they use government-defined registered apprenticeship programs. They work for that. That's the requirement. Fantastic. But it's not the requirement in this the private sector or data centers or hospitals. You know, the hospitals want to know if you've worked in hospitals before. They want to know if you've worked, uh, you know, in, in in infectious disease control situations. They want to understand if you know those rules and regulations, because that's what matters to them, to them. When you're working on a refinery, same thing. When you're working in data centers, you know, it's about a lot about a clean rooms and cleanliness. So you have to have the right training for the right product. The government registered apprenticeship. When we we were working with the previous president, we had an apprenticeship task force, and we had an all the above strategy. They were introducing industry recognized apprentices. They recognized competency based versus time based, uh, and uh, you know they love that. Uh, this administration, you know, really appreciates just government recognized apprenticeships only. That's their that's their goal. One other program that I I'd like to get some input from you on uh, PLAs. Project labor agreements, they're, um, as many will agree to, probably a big hindrance for any company that wants to work a federal project. What's ABC doing to talk about uh, PLAs? Well, once again, this is an attack on worker choice, okay? Uh, And what project labor agreements do is take away the choice from a worker to work for their company uh, unless they choose to join a union. And and so project labor agreements are um, essentially collective bargaining agreements for a project that if you want to bid on it, then you have to use union labor. 
there's certain nuances to any kind of project labor agreement. So sometimes they say, oh, no, no, you don't have to use union labor. You can use the labor that the company uses. But then the company people have to join a union. And so it's forced union membership. It's eliminating worker choice. And I don't know about you. We're in America. And, you know, I think every individual should have the chance to pursue their career dreams how it best suits them, the gifts that they were given, the environment that they work in, you know, and there's some people out there that uh, I'm sure we know very, very well that are listening to this right now that have a desire to achieve. They have a desire. They might have a desire to run their own company. They might have a desire to learn multiple crafts so that they can increase their compensation and be more valuable to their company. And Why would you want to eliminate that choice? Why would you want to take an employer, an employee who loves their company and who has thrived in their company and take away the choice for their ability to work for that company? Why would you want to take away the choice of someone who works for a company but is introduced to another company that they can make more money at and go achieve something new? Why would you want to take that choice away? So we're all about worker choice and project labor agreements, unfortunately, uh, take away that choice. They, they, they force a choice upon the companies and upon the employees. And quite honestly, it's another way that it eliminates competition. And uh, then, then the taxpayer doesn't benefit. Uh, let, me give you a, let me give you a little stat. Before this PLA, and, and I'm, I'm going to mention numbers that are close enough for horseshoes, okay? Uh, since uh, 2010, uh, when the President Obama put in a executive order that encouraged project labor agreements to be used on projects greater than $25 million, since 2010, up until this rule, there have been, I'm going to say, the last numbers I saw were like 1,850 projects that were over $25 million. And that would have been through fiscal year, maybe uh, 2022 or 2023. So we're, we're close, but I, and you'll, you'll, you'll get it when I give you some, give you some other numbers here. So that's just 18, 1,850 roughly. So the government had the choice. It would go out and do market studies and see what would benefit the project most. What kind of labor was out there? What kind of skilled labor was out there? Uh, what kind of companies uh, employed, you know, various different labor that could build this project? After those surveys, guess how many projects since 2010, over $25 million, that they have imposed a project labor agreement mandate? Less than 10. 12. When you, when you do that and, and it doesn't work for you, you got to change the rules. That's my perspective. I, that's my opinion. You got to change the rules. And so trying to change the rules, once again, this president is not only the most pro-union only. He's not the most pro-union president. He's the most pro-union only president. That's his agenda. I, I don't know exactly what he says, but I see the rules after rules after rules. And what they want to do is take away worker choice. We are Associated Builders and Contractors for Worker Choice. They recognize every individual has the opportunity to achieve their career dreams. That's what we're all about. And we recognize everybody's unique. Everybody's different. Everybody's got different dreams, different gifts, and different levels, levels of desire. 
And um, that's the beautiful thing about our country. It's That's the American dream. One of the things you mentioned earlier was technology. Mm. Um, John and I talk to people across the board in the industry all the time about all the different technologies that we're harnessing to improve uh, quality of workmanship um, and, and building the trades. Construction industry has a reputation for dragging its feet when it comes to adopting new technology. So what's ABC doing to help uh, transform the con- construction industry and, and, and adopting some of these new technologies? First thing I want to say about technology is I believe technology is a tool. We as humans are the programmers. Okay, the tool isn't a programmer. So I think there's a lot of arguments technology will take away jobs and stuff like that. I, I don't believe that. I think it will create, I think it will make the human, the worker, should they choose to learn and adopt this tool called technology, make them more valuable, more productive, and be able to take their dr- career dreams into places they've never envisioned before. I also think it attracts people to the to the trade. Absolutely. Well. So you think of construction as a shovel and a, a hole. No, it's, you know. Well, hey, I'm going to tell you what. In 1979, I dug holes with a pick and shovel, okay? Yeah. And yeah. I'm going to tell you what. I, I appreciated technology. I appreciated, you know, not having to do that. Uh, I, 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 I had the appreciation of that type of work, but also I had the appreciation uh, when, you know, we got this bobcat with this cool, you know, bit on it that we could drill down and, you know, and, and dig the hole. And instead of me taking a whole morning to dig one, it was, you, you, you know what I mean? I mean, that's yeah. technology, that's innovation. Yep. And you're absolutely right. The technology innovation is breakthrough. So everybody's talking about artificial intelligence right now. Well, let's let's take a step back first. How how old is the iPhone? How old is a how old is a, how old are these tablets and these smartphones? I mean, they're not very old. Uh, less than twenty years, maybe. Yeah, less than twenty years. I I think it's uh, you know maybe fifteen. You know, and now we're take, carrying around enough computing power in our phone to, you know, fly, uh, uh, you know, Apollo 13 to, to the moon and stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. And so I remember I did a uh, when I first got into ABC, I did a class on BIM 101. And this would have been back in 2010. And, uh, you know, people really didn't think that they would need BIM. Well, now you read your plans on your phone. You're doing, you're taking pictures and and you know using your little pen to scribe on them and send an RFI to the uh, uh, engineer. Then the engineer FaceTimes you, and then you're like looking around together and stuff. And now they've got these smart helmets that are coming out, which are really cool, you know. But it's all it's all based upon BIM, you know. It's all and it's all point. It's digits. It's it's zeros and ones. It's point cloud technology. All of this stuff is just. You know, well, hey, when I went to Penn State, I took a a, um, a surveying class. You know, I remember standing with my elevation rod, waving it, you know, back and forth, right? You know, to and fro and everything. And I remember, you know, doing a pacing exercise to determine, you know, the exact yardage of my pace so I could get estimates of uh, distances. 
Oh my gosh, think about the technology and how much that's transformed. Think about when you were, you know, doing a trend, you're building a building and you're trying to make sure the building is vertical, right? And how much out of plumb is it, you know? And and you had the plumb bobs and stuff and 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 now you put a laser up there and people are you know, snapping lines right at the end. You, you, they take around a beeper and, and you know, one of those, uh, you know, retro flectors and stuff, and it beats up oh, right there. Okay, you know, I mean, it's so much more efficient. It's so cool. And, uh, you know, now we got photogrammetry coming. We got, uh, you know, this robotics. We got drones flying around. And the cool thing about all that is, is once again, it's digital. You know, so when you think about excavating, as an example, just cut and fill analysis, we used to do that, you know, in estimating and everything and drawing contour lines, which I'm surprised I ever passed that class in, in, in school. Now it's just, it's all real time. These drones will fly over. They'll give you, you know, they'll communicate with the equipment and give actual elevations to, to help with cut and fill. When in your business, in the mechanical business, going around and, and dropping, you know, uh, inserts, right, for hanging ductwork and hanging pipe, it's all laid out. I mean, think about how much more efficient that is today. The technology is unbelievable. Yes, we have been slow to adopt, but the, it, it is, it is, once again, it's all about career dreams. We have, uh, in my previous life, we used to, and this was early days of BIM, we would bring superintendents in and team them up with college grads that knew this technology and magic started happening. It was unbelievable. So uh, technology, in my opinion, is a tool. Now, artificial intelligence, you know, this is, um, uh, I think, going to be really cool. It's, uh, I think it's, I, I think we're just skimming the surface right now. We're trying to figure out, we're trying to figure out here in ABC what kind of HR policy we need to have. But before you go use it, make sure you know what you're using and and just have a conversation with your, if you're an owner out there of a company, make sure you have a conversation with your legal counsel. I was talking to our general counsel. It's the fastest growing department in his practice, AI. It's going to be unbelievable. But you, I've seen some of the tools. We have an AI we have a we have a, a construction innovation and technology group that we brought on board. Uh, I, I actually look like a genius. Um, the, I hired this guy in uh, we we um, I think we cut our deal at the end of 2019, and his first day was when the world shut down. Mm. Okay, so mm. I mean it was brilliant. I'm telling you, it was brilliant on my part. You know, and it was purely planned. I knew I knew everything was coming. Right? You know. No, I'm just kidding. Now we've got that team that we produce an ABC tech report where we just produce an artificial intelligence report. Uh, we have a, a tech marketplace on our website that uh, vets, uh, you know, technology companies are vetted by our tech and alliance committee. There's so much stuff out there. It's overwhelming. And what we're trying to do is help, you know, take it from a fire hose to a garden hose, so to speak to help our members, uh, you know, take advantage of what's out there. Well, while we have you here, I just wanted to ask you about 2024, what your feelings are about the short-term economy. I know that's a huge, like, overarching question, but, you know, kind of gauge your your feelings on that. And, you know, other than, like, we talked about skilled trades, growing the skilled trades, reg- regulatory issues, what are some of the biggest challenges that ABC and its members will face over the next 
year or two. We we do a, a monthly um, construction confidence indicator and a monthly backlog indicator. And when you take a look at those numbers, um, things look pretty good. Now, relatively speaking, they they're not they're not we're not quite as confident. Our backlogs not, may not be as high, but um, but confidence. Our confidence index says the next six months are going to be better than the last six months. Okay, uh-huh. uh, it's been like that for a while, and and that's good news. And and I think some of the indicators to look at are job openings. You know, as long as we're looking for jobs, you know, I think we're going to be uh, in good shape. Technology uh, has uh, created a, a, a market in data centers. Uh, data centers need water, cooling, and electricity. Uh, so when you think about that market growing, all the infrastructure to support it is growing. AI, as I understand it, the computing power needs power, right? And and so that demand, so the, the faster AI grows, the more uh, data centers, the more power that's going to be required that, you know, grinding through this, it's, uh, you know, latency is a really a key issue. So that means that whole infrastructure, the whole pipeline of the internet, everything's going to have to be upgraded. Uh, so when you think about that, that's, that's, that's good. Office buildings, obviously with COVID, you know, a lot of people haven't renewed their lease or doing remote and remote does the same thing to data centers, right? You know, when you think about that. But now office buildings, um, what's happening is uh, cities are relaxing their permitting and and zoning ordinances so that those can be adapted to be reused as other uh, types of products to serve serve other needs. And, And so that means data centers. We need space for data centers. Well, downtown, you know, that could be an adaptive reuse, moving it to housing. Uh, obviously, rental units are renting uh, housing. Housing, we have a affordable ho- housing shortage. Uh, so rental housing is growing. We have a big boomer wave that's riding through retirement. That means senior living. The older they get, the unhealthier they get, or the more health and wellness they buy. Uh, you know, so health care. You know, and then when you think about uh, uh, the technology, uh, you think about cell phone technology, 5G. Well, you know, all that needs to be retrofitted. You think about satellites and stuff and, and the infrastructure. Is to, I mean, listen, uh, you know, our, the beautiful thing about our industry is to imagine what would what would life be like without our industry? What what would people live in? What would people be entertained in uh how would people get healthy uh what would where, you know where would they get healthier uh where would they get uh serviced if they had a illness issue um wh- what would they what would they drive on uh what would they ride a train on you know they, our industry is i think it's the best industry i tell you what i think it's just awesome in for for those that are in our industry, um, uh, count your blessings. This is a great industry. It's a phenomenal industry. Yeah. Um, you know, Tim, uh, DeKalb is becoming the Silicon Valley of. Uh, there you go. 
We uh, we have a five building campus of Facebook data center that just opened. Next to that is a Amazon distribution center, and then a, a, a Ferrara pan. You know the Ferrara pan candies, Tim. Lemon heads yep. and Boston baked beans. They opened a new <laughs> facility. I mean, it's all right there, right in my backyard, Tim. Yeah. Jobs, jobs, and you, and that's why DeKalb in your area of Sycamore is growing so rapidly. Yep. It's bringing tons of jobs. And the yep. more disruption that exists in the world, the more our industries has the opportunity to provide the built assets for that disruption to thrive. And then for the next disruption. Well, Mike, we'd be remiss as we enter the ninth inning of this podcast to not ask, there's got to be at least one fun story you can share from your days of bounce around, bouncing around the farm league systems of with the Cleveland Indians. I mean, did you ever run across Albert Bell or have any fun stories to share? Yeah, I, you know, I'm going to share uh, a story that I often share with people. And as a matter of fact, I was just actually uh, chatting with some people the other day about this. And and I and I'm going to think that our audience is hopefully old enough to know Bob Feller. Uh-huh. You know Bob, absolutely. I mean, Bob's a Hall of Famer, farmer from Ohio, phenomenal guy. Well, he was actually um, one year my locker mate, my next door locker mate. Uh, Bob uh, was the face of uh, the uh, Indians, uh, you know, essentially in marketing. You know, and he would hang out with us out in the outfield in spring training and tell us stories and stuff. And we, you know, he flew fighter planes in world war two, you know, and he's, he's a patriot he's a great farm boy and, and uh, just a great American. But uh, the, the, probably the, the funniest story that I think, uh, uh, you know, our industry can relate to and, and, and stuff was, was that I'd like to share is with Bob Feller. So when I was in the minors, one thing Bob would do, is he would go around. Now, he pitched in the 50s, okay? He pitched, played professionally in the 50s, and uh, this was the 80s, mid-80s. So this is 30 years after his prime. So he's probably in his 50s, you know, or or maybe 60 or something like that. He would go around to, um, he, and he would follow our minor league teams around to all the wonderful communities that we, that, you know, minor league teams are across America, you know, through the heartland, through the rural areas in the Northeast and, and down in the South and, you know, in the West, the Mountain West, it, you know, everywhere, he would travel around and for a donation to, uh, I think he'd range it with a local charity in the area for a donation to the local charity. Uh, he would pitch you five pitches. So you could hit off of Bob Feller, right? And, and he would do this and they would start this, you know, a couple hours before our game and we wouldn't take BP and we'd, you know, do it inside, but we wouldn't take the normal stuff because it was the Bob Feller show and he would do this and raise money. Well, I was a pitcher and after he came in, after, after, uh, um, I had a little bullpen on the side, I'm sitting in the locker room and I'm iced up. I got my elbow iced up and my, my shoulder iced up and he comes in. And he goes, Bellman, what are you doing? You're you're wasting the ice. You gotta save the ice for the beer. <laughs> he goes, I just threw five hundred pitches out there. I don't want any ice. I want I want the ice for my beer. Just it was just hilarious. Yeah. Uh, you know, but that's the kind of guy Bob was. And uh, you know, just a wonderful, humorous guy. 
Uh, and, uh, man, just to be around a legend like that. And that was probably the biggest, coolest thing just to hang around some of those guys, you know, my, uh, uh, you know, one, one hitting instructor was Richie Zisk, uh, you know, for the pirates, uh, my one coach who I love to death, Steve Swisher. Uh, he has this little kid, Nick Swisher. We used to fish and played for the Cubs. We used to fish. We used to feed little swish in Waterloo, Iowa. We would face them at home plate towards the towards the backstop where the stands were, and we'd throw wiffle balls at them and stuff like that. And he'd he'd hit them up in the things. You know, I don't know. He was probably six or seven at the time. Hit them up in the stands. He'd go running around the bases and stuff. But you know, Nick he played or Nick uh, Steve Swisher played for the Cubs for ten years. Yeah, yeah he did, and he was great. He uh he, he's told me stories about Pete Rose. He'd tell us stories about you know in the All Star game with Pete Rose. You know, Pete came in and goes swish. You set the table. I'll clean it up. Let's go get them, boys. You know, and just you know, just being around those kinds of people are unbelievable. And and uh, I had teammates. Uh, you know, one of my uh, teammates was Jay Bell, just a wonderful individual. And a uh, little fun story there. You know, he was traded for. Uh, uh, oh my gosh, uh, uh, he was traded for a major league pitcher. Oh, his name escapes me by chance right now. But anyway, the ironic thing is, is Jay Bill's first at bat was against that pitcher. Oh. And the first pitch, Jay took him deep. First pitch in the major leagues. It was it was classic. Just so many great stories. Uh, I'm blessed to have had that experience. You know, unfortunately, as a pitcher, I helped a lot of batters get to the big leagues. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, so when I took the mound, the other team was uh, very pumped up. They were very excited about me taking taking the mound. So, but I had a great time. Um, blessed, met lots of people. It was my dream to give it a go, uh, and uh, you know, I gave it a go. But I'll tell you what: talk about meritocracy. Talk about competition. Um, wow. Okay, you talk about instant feedback, right? Uh, that's the one thing I love about sports, and that's one thing. That's what I love about ABC. It's the beautiful thing. It's America. It's about meritocracy. It's about recognizing every individual has different gifts, unique gifts, and everybody has dreams. And uh, we create the conditions for people to achieve those dreams. So, thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate yeah, it. Uh, this is great. Thank awesome. you. I think you guys are great. Uh, and uh, to all the listeners out there that work in our industry, God bless you. You work in, I think, the greatest industry in America. And think about how many people rely on what you do. It is amazing. When you really take a step back and think about it, you guys really build America. So good job. Kudos. And thanks again. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Well, th thanks for jumping on, Mike. If If anybody's interested in learning a little bit more about ABC – and all of the things that you talked about today, what's the easiest way for one of our listeners to find out more information about ABC? Uh, www.abc.org. That's the simple thing. ABC.org. Not ABC.com. That's the American Broadcasting Company. <laughs> yeah. ABC.org. ABC.org. It's the O-R-G. Or you can Google Associated Builders and Contractors will come up yeah. uh, and, and stuff. And so, yeah. Great information, Mike. Thanks. Yeah. Good job, guys. This Appetite for Construction podcast is brought to you in part by PERC, the Propane Education and Research Council. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially construction pros. 
It's a single clean energy source that can meet your project's performance, safety, and resilience goals while maintaining efficiency and lowering costs. See how propane can help meet your project's needs by visiting propane.com now. Propane, it's the energy for everyone.